indeed glad, very glad for all of our men and women that served in <coughs> the um, armed forces and that have done their part to uh, try to <coughs> somehow um, be willing to uh, give of time and energy into <coughs> protecting our nation. And we have been talking about <coughs> the, uh, uh, we started last Sunday talking about keeping sin cut back in our lives. And <coughs> we are <coughs> growing apostolic legacy is the last word and there's that sense of we are apostolic we are growing and we have a great history a great legacy that's around here and just as you saw these veterans uh, what a wonderful heritage and history that this church has and yet <clears throat> probably the youngest the new uh, veteran brother Philip Holmes, Lord bless him, and uh, I know he is uh, going to be, I think, deployed sometime in a few months. We've been meeting and going through uh, <coughs> Bible study and different things, and I, I want him to know and all of us to know that the Lord is able to keep you, and the Lord is able to keep his hand on us, and I am thankful for that history. Last week I used this slide, keeping sin cut back in my life and talking and the, the subtitle to that was training in godliness and uh, that's the second part of the sermon and I mentioned last Sunday about a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. We could look at flesh as being dirt or ground and the spirit being uh, the God part. And we know that the fight is over control of the soul, control of my mind, control of my will, my emotions. And we recognize that the flesh indwells in us no good thing, the Bible says. We are full of ungodliness and we are, that's who we are. Uh, by nature, by flesh. And you may say, well, I, I'm not, I'm a wonderful, perfect, wonderful person. No, you're not. It's, uh, you have a fleshly nature like everybody else. And uh, that flesh is uh, <coughs> just, uh, unfortunately, it's the antithesis of God. And so out of this ungodliness that is in our flesh, um, we see a trunk of a tree, if you will, that begins to grow up uh, in us, all of us, and it's called pride. Now I know we talk about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and then the pride of life. The pride of life is one of those things that 
uh, everybody has. And it's not always bad. You know, it's good to have a sense of, you know, um, I, uh, I know uh, who I am and I have pride in my appearance or in my uh, behavior or, or whatever. Pride in all of those things. And yet the danger of pride is that out of that trunk of pride shoot all kinds of ungodliness that just naturally grows. And so last Sunday we talked about some of the ways to cut that back. And the first one was to remember that the gospel is for sinners. You've got to, you've got to actively pursue the fact that the Lord died for us in order to work on the, the stuff that comes out of pride. If you think you can do it on your own, then it becomes another act of the flesh. And we talked about that. In fact, Wednesday night, I handed you a handout for those of you who were here. We probably still have one front and back page. And it talked about we were kind of working on some of those uh, branches that, that uh, sort of pop out or grow out. And, and it's amazing how quick they grow. It doesn't take long uh, for a spirit or an attitude of resentment and uh, disappointment and, and uh, unthankfulness and uh, uh, holding a grudge and feeling like I've been done wrong and uh, I can't believe that you treated me that way and I can't believe that you did that and I, uh, it's all about me somehow and it gets real easy for that to happen and you probably every one of us in here unless you are telling a a uh, fib, we have been ungodly at times. We've been maybe angry and uh, we've uh, sort of had a spirit of ingratitude and selfishness and, you know, it's in us. It's there. Uh, when you have a child, it doesn't take uh, long. No, no psychologist has to come and uh, train a child to be selfish and train a child to be self-centered and train a child, you know, well, we're sorry, your child just does not have any unthankfulness. They are just always kind and they're always good. That's never happened. No no doctor's ever had that uh, parent bring that child in for any of those kind of things. It's in us. And so it's the first thing that we have to do is remember that the gospel is for us. And then number two was that sense of dependent responsibility. We talked about this last week and, and uh, work like it all depends on me, but trust and believe that I am going to have to have help in doing it all. In other words, I can't do it on my own. I have to actively pursue the presence of God, the spirit of God, the, the house of the Lord, the body to help me identify the little foxes and that these are what I called acceptable sins or respectable sins that, you know, they spring up from a lack of humility. I am not uh, I, I, you don't know who I am and I try to use my willpower and I have seen individuals, they are going to do it by the strength of their will. 
I am going to do this by my will. I am going to break this habit. I'm going to break this addiction. I'm going to break this. I'm going to do it by my will. And immediately when your flesh is doing it by willpower to fight the things of the flesh by your, that are coming out of your will, guess what? Your flesh is going to win because the flesh is fighting the flesh. And so that's why it becomes vital for us to stay connected to the Spirit. Vital for us to stay under the blood and to recognize who the Lord is and the power of the Lord. When I try to do it on my own, it becomes, it, that itself can be a snare of pride. In fact, Paul told the church in Colossae that they were, were involved in what they called will worship. In fact, taste not, touch not, will worship. In other words, I can do this on my own. And so then, of course, we mentioned about the importance of bringing the word. And that's why I gave out a handout Wednesday. If you want one, you can have it about the scriptures and the bringing the word of the sword of the spirit, the word of God against those branches that are springing up from that trunk of pride. And then recognizing that uh, the importance of the body and the need to become accountable and uh, identify these areas that start growing out of this trunk of pride. And I, I made very clear last week, and I hope you understood that I am not saying that ungodliness is necessarily wickedness. Sometimes we don't want to talk about what we're doing as sin. Well, you know, yes, I got angry, but you don't understand what they did. And yes, I was unthankful, but you know what? It doesn't, I don't deserve this. And yes, I, I had a bit of a selfish attitude, but I'm tired of always being the one. And I, I'm just, I, you know, but it's not sin. It's just because sin is murder and mayhem and big things and uh, all of that wickedness. And at least I'm not doing that. And yet, when you live your life with little or no thought of God or God's will or the need to give God glory or my need for God, living like God is irrelevant in my life, then I am living ungodly. Because God is supposed to be. That's why Paul said, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're eating, drinking, working, do all for the glory of God. So is this bringing glory to God? If it's not, then it's ungodly. Now you may say, well, but I have to work. I have to work to get some money. Sure, I understand. We all have to have a job. I, I get that. But at the same time, when I go to that job, it's about bringing glory to God. If that, if that job does not allow me to glorify God, whether it's in giving or attendance or prayer, or if that's beating me down and I'm not able to bring glory to God, then I need to say, Lord, get me in a job where I can bring you glory. 
And then we put the tree there and those words of independent spirit and anxiety and frustration and judgmentalism and temper and resentment and love of money and bitterness and sins of the tongue and competitiveness and anger and envy. And we talked all about that and I started that last Wednesday and gave you a sheet and we'll continue to talk about that. But <clears throat> what I... I want you to understand in all of this is that while, you know, as I said before, ungodliness is not really wickedness. It's living life with that no thought of God or bringing glory to God. And yet the rest of that is to train. Paul wrote to Timothy in the fourth chapter, in the seventh verse through the eighth verse, and we have these veterans here that would attest to the training and boot camp and, and the rigors. And Brother Bob Key said, the first thing you learn in boot camp is that your way, your mind, your thoughts don't matter. You just obey. And yet the Bible says, Paul wrote, exercise or train yourself rather unto godliness. The, Latin, the next part of that eighth verse is what I like. Bodily exercise profits little. <laughs> but it says godliness is profitable unto all things because I like to use that part of the verses to explain why I'm not working out. <laughs> but he said, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. So it's not only in cutting back and putting off, as one scripture says, put off and then put on. It's not only putting off the old man and putting off the spirits of anxiety and frustration. And you say, well, pastor, are you saying that every time you're frustrated that you are being ungodly? No, no, I tried to explain that last week. I realized that, you know, if I'm doing something and I get frustrated, that, you know, uh, that's normal. And I'm sure, uh, you know, if I'm uh, working, Brother Rob was cutting a, a wood and, and he said to me this morning that uh, uh, my chest tightened up and it knocked me to the ground. Well, you ought to be concerned. You ought to stop. Now, it took four more times before he got the word. But, you know, I, I told him, I said, you work in a hospital. After the first time you're on the ground, it ought to have been a light bulb go off. So I, I kind of got on to him a little bit this morning. But you, you say, well, are you, are you saying that you wouldn't be anxious or you wouldn't be worried or you wouldn't be fearful? Yes, I, I understand. Those things happen. I, I, you know, life and circumstances and frustration. But do you know how quickly it is for then a spirit to come along behind that? And all of a sudden I have a spirit of fear. And anxiety. And all of a sudden, I, the enemy is using whatever he can to, to beat me up all the time about, well, you're not going to live. You're going to die. You're, you're never going to make it. Oh, you know what? At that point, I've got to say, Lord, I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. But one thing I know is my life is in your hand. I'm going to plead the blood. Lord, you're able to heal. If you choose not to heal, I'm still going to go out of here worshiping and praising and magnifying and giving glory to God. Doesn't mean that there's never a sense of, you know, what, what is 
uh, that I will never be battled by these things, but I quickly have to use the blood. I quickly have to use those five things that I mentioned, Calvary, and, and my dependence on God, and met my, my willingness to do what I can to trim those back before they grow, because I've seen folks that go from one kind of situation and to where all of a sudden, you know, they, are, they have a, a, a spirit or a feeling and anxiety, and they're, they battle that for years and years, and, 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 it, and it drives them where I can't get out of my house. I can't. I, you know what I'm talking about? And we have veterans here who have seen all kinds of horrible things, and I understand they should be traumatized, and yet at some point what we believe and what we teach is that I understand PTSD and I get it, but yet, but yet at the same time we believe that a person can be changed by the blood of the Lamb, that the blood can wash their mind and their emotions, and I know it can be overwhelming, but because of Calvary, all things are passed away and all things become new. Because of Calvary, God is able to change us because of Calvary. I can be a new creature in Christ Jesus because of the blood. There's something about it. You know, you say, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I was raised and I, my family, Brother Gastineau said, you know, my grandfather and my grandpa and my dad all had heart trouble. You know what? And I may have a genetic predisposition to it, but thank God I still believe in the power of God to change and to heal and to do what I can to touch. It doesn't matter. At one point you say, well, you know what? I was raised in my family and I, I, I have addictions in my family and I have, I get it. And you may have a predisposition for it, but I'm here to tell you the blood is able to change everything. The blood of Jesus is able to make you a new creature. And, but you've got to depend not on your willpower, but on his blood and on the presence of God and the word of God to keep those sins cut back. Now godliness in that regard, as Timothy said, you have to train. And I don't want to train. I don't want to have to work out. I don't want to have to do all of that. I don't want to go through boot camp. I'd like to, I'd like to march in the parade. <laughs> but I don't want to have to go through the training. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody wants to go through that. But yet, Godliness involves our relationship with God. Not when you talk about someone as being godly, it involves our relationship with God. How do I respond to God? Do I respond to God? Or do I make God respond to me? You know, it's kind of that whole situation of, you know, it's like the difference between dogs and cats. And I know we got cat lovers in here and we got dog lovers in here. I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you like cats or raise your hand if you like dogs. But dogs and cats respond to their owners very differently. You know, their master comes home and what does a cat do? They may come to greet you or they may not. It's up to them. Because you're there to be a benefit to them. You understand? 
Dogs, on the other hand, greet you at the door. They want to go with you. They want to stay with you. They want to be everywhere that you are. Cats, even in their language, their language is all about them. Meow. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we're not careful. We think that our godliness makes us in some sense of the word like it's all about me, not about God. You know, when I pray, am I praying, you know, it's all about, Lord, give me this, Lord, I need this, Lord, I want this, Lord, I have to have this, Lord. I... But am I praying, Lord, oh, I want to be in your presence. I want to feel your glory. I want, to, I want to demonstrate your glory. I don't want it to just be about me. I, I, and I'm not, you know, if you have cats and you like that, independent spirit, that's all right with me. But don't be a cat-like Christian. When it comes to living for God, be Lord, I want to be in your presence. As David said, I was glad when they said unto me, I'd rather be here than I'd rather be anywhere else. That's the kind of attitude we have to have toward God. I need God. I am, so that's why you see words like humility and contentment and thankfulness and joy. When I am not joyful, it is like I am saying, Lord, you're not my God. Because he said, in my presence is fullness of... Oh. Well, but you don't understand. I'm having a rough day. Well, then get in his presence. Turn it around. Oh, well, uh, you know, preacher, you're meddling now. The Lord wants us to be godly in this hour. Amen? We've got to put on godliness, contentment, thanksgiving, and joy. Now, not only is godliness defined as how we respond to God, but godliness is defined also in, in de defined by a sense of how do we discipline ourselves. Because, if you know, when you're training, when you're working out, there's, uh, I mean, we could talk about, you know, there's a workout regime and a workout outfit and, you know, you're doing this because you're training and, and you're working out and the military, they dress a certain way. But it's mainly disciplining myself with regard to holiness and self-control and faithfulness, those kinds of words. And we'll, we'll talk about them on a Wednesday night, you know, and it's not overwhelming to everybody and I and give a paper out on them. But that sense of, of, of Lord... Give me some self-control. Give me some faithfulness. I, whenever the Bible says, when he comes back, will there be any faith? Will we find folks that are faithful? You know, it, why? Because being faithful is about me. It's disciplining me. I don't want to have to be faithful. Well, let me just tell you, you can't be in the Army, Navy, Marines, whatever it is, and, you know, decide, well, today I don't feel like running. Huh? Veterans Week. Today is not a good day. I, we did a whole lot yesterday, really more than I wanted yesterday. And, you know, backpack a little sore, shoulders a little. Uh, sorry today. You can't, you can't be on 
<laughs> you know, your own time clock. Well, uh, a call comes in. It's time for everybody to load up. Time for everybody to go. Uh, all these that have served know that, the, you know, the, the captain doesn't come in and say, would you all like to go out to battle tomorrow? Or what about the next day? Check your calendars. See if we've got any conflicts. Gunners, do you have any conflict? Helicopter pilot, any, anybody? Is there, how about next Thursday? Let's, let's all compare calendars. No, if they say we're leaving at 0400 hours, you're going to be up and dressed and ready to go. You're faithful. <laughs> That's what part of godliness is being. Lord, I'm faithful. And then when you think not only our relationship to God and our relationship within ourselves, but also the qualities that help us deal graciously and appropriately with others. And that's probably the hardest one for all of us to be godly is to have a sense of peace and, a, and patience with other people and gentleness and kindness and goodness and love. Now you say, Pastor, where are you getting that list? And I just put some of the verses if you want to read them and I'm not going to read them all to you. But that's where the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit and this and that and all that. And that's all mainly New Testament that tells us how to be godly. What we're supposed to be putting on. And let me tell you, it's not always easy to do all of that. It's not always easy in that sense to say, I'm going to train myself to be godly. And that's where the Word of the Lord comes into play. Acknowledging the truth, which is uh, the truth, uh, which is after godliness. In other words, words the Bible says and you read it in the in the NIV or the Amplified it says the truth which leads us into godliness that's why it's important to have a Bible and uh, we gave away Bibles last week and that's why it's important to read the Bible and to say Lord I want your truth I want to read your word I want your truth to train me I need training in godliness I need to work out in godliness Titus, the second chapter, said, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, knowing God well enough to fear or respect him and to know how to love him. And those are the two things that, you know, it seems like at times it's hard for us to understand. And that is, Lord, not only do I want to know you, not only do I want to love you, and I know we're living with Christianity, which it's all about the love of God. And I agree. We are, I'm thankful for the love of God. But you cannot lose the respect or fear of God either in this hour. Because if you lose the fear of God or the respect of God, you've lost it all. Jeremiah said, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and for their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts and they shall not depart from me. I don't know. I would Take an interview this morning of all of our veterans. And tomorrow's Veterans Day. Find a veteran and interview them. 
and then just ask them this question. Were you more motivated by love for the country and the fact that you were going to defend the red, white, and blue and the fact that you were defending freedom of speech or once you got in there, were you more afraid of your drill sergeant? Were you trained to love God and country? Or were you trained to obey without hesitation because you had a drill sergeant? Hmm. I wonder what the statistics would be. I think it would be skewed a little more toward, yes, sir. Huh? I don't believe that they line you up and say, okay, recruits, how many love, 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 love the U.S.? Because we're going to go out here and do this for the U.S. No, you're going to obey or you're going to be wishing you would have. That's why Jeremiah said, it is the fear of God. Paul, after they had Ananias and Sapphira and all of these things, the Bible says in the book of Acts that the churches had rest throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and were edified, walking in two things. One was the fear of the Lord, and the other was the comfort of the Holy Ghost. What are you saying? And I, I am, what I'm trying to say to us this morning is that in this hour, Christianity has taken a turn that we're all about the love of God and we're not about the sense of the awe of God or the respect of God or the fear of God or the discipline. I don't want God to discipline me. I don't believe that God's in after me. I don't believe that God is trying to uh, hurt me. I agree with you 100%. I don't believe God is out to get anybody here. I don't believe God is trying to hurt us. The Bible is very clear. We are saved from the wrath of God. I understand that. But what I want you to know is that while there is none that does good, no, not one, everybody's mouth is an open sepulcher. Tongues have been used in deceit, poison apps under their lips. Mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Feet, he goes through all this list and basically he said there is no fear of God before their eyes and we're living there folks people have no respect for God no respect for the house of God no respect for what it means to be you know respectful to God whether it's putting a hat on or whether it's standing up or what I, I, you know if it doesn't minister to me and if it doesn't help me and if it's not about me and yet you know I understand that, that we recognize in all of these things you know it is not just about me Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews he said with boldness we enter into the holy of 
of holies into the holiest by the blood. I am thankful that we have a privilege to have the comfort of the Holy Ghost to come boldly into the presence of Almighty God. Yet later on, two chapters later, he said, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. There's got to be a balance between love of God and the fear and respect of God. You cannot live for God in this hour unless you have both actively working in your life. If all you think about is the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God and it's all about meow. Huh? God, what are you going to do for me? Church, what are you going to do? Pastor, what are you going to do for me? Church, what, what's, what, what's going to happen? What, what is it going to be for me? I want you to love me. I want to feel special. You're a champion. You're a winner. Go eat a chicken dinner. And yet, there's got to be a sense of, oh God, how great you are. What a privilege, what an amazing that I can stand. You're a consuming fire. How would he come for me? Oh, it should humble me. I need you, Lord. I am so thankful for Calvary. I am so thankful for your blood that was shed. Why? Because you don't understand. There is, you know, and, and you, you read it over and over. In Romans, he said, God hath not given us a spirit of bondage again unto fear, but a spirit of adoption, where I say, Abba, Father, yes, I am so thankful for the love of God. But yet to Timothy, he also wrote that God, Jesus Christ, is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He has, he alone hath immortality, dwelling in light that nobody can approach, that no man hath seen nor can see. I want you to know when we feel the presence of God and the love of God, you are in touch also with the most powerful thing in the universe. You're stepping into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you're the high, high priest of the touch with the feeling of our infirmities. It should humble me. If it doesn't humble me when I feel what I feel, there's no way I can be godly because you see the whole point of all of this is that greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. Oh, the love of God, listen to me carefully, and I'm finished for this morning. The love of God has no meaning apart from Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave. The love of God has only definition because of Calvary. But Calvary was not necessary if it had not been for the wrath of God. Something had to die. And so while we see the love of Calvary, it should make us also realize the wrath that we were saved from because of Calvary. You see, it's more than just simply Oh, he loves me, he loves me, 
He loves me, but I have to respond and love him and thank him for such wonderful grace and mercy. Jesus did not die just to give us peace and purpose in life, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have direction and we have peace, but what he saved us from was the wrath of God. What a privilege it is to be able to feel the touch of his spirit. When somebody says, well, do I have to receive the Holy Ghost? Do I have to be baptized? And I'm saying, you would try to face God without his blood? You're willing to do that? You want to just believe that somehow the way you think it ought to be doesn't matter the fact that when I go down in a watery grave, I'm buried with him in baptism. Wow, how could I not want to be baptized? Whoa, the same spirit that dwelled in Christ dwells in me. How could I not want that spirit? I only have a very little hope of being able to pass the test. And that is that I bring God glory for what he's done for me. And that I realize, you know what? Lord, because of Calvary, I am so thankful you made a way where I could be godly. I could be part of the soldiers. I could be part of the sons of God. Yes, I am privileged. Oh, it's Abba, Father. It's Dad. I am so thankful that I have a relationship that I could call him Dad. But at the same time, I've got to realize that he is also the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I've got to stand in his presence and a little bit of a sense of humility. Lord, it's not about me this morning. It's about, I'm going to bring you glory in my worship, in my prayer, in my praise. You say, well, I don't really feel like it. I didn't feel like coming. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like I, 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 me, 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 I, I. This is all about him. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Seated on his throne.